The best remedy for a bruised heart is not, as so many people seem to think, repose upon a manly bosom. Much more efficacious are honest work, physical activity, and the sudden acquisition of wealth. After being acquitted, acquitted of murdering her lover, and indeed in consequence of that acquittal, Harriet Vane found all three specifics abundantly at her disposal. And although Lord Peter Whimsey, with a touching faith in tradition, persisted day in and day out in presenting the bosom for her approval, she showed no inclination to recline upon it. Hello and welcome to Story Girls, a fortnightly podcast about books with a dash of absurdity. I'm Alicia. And I'm Lindsay. And today we are talking about uh, Have His Carcass by Dorothy L. Sayers. And this is the second book in our concentration on a series of four of her books. Mm-hmm. In our second season, which is about Mysteries of the Golden Age by female authors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Have His Carcass is... Um Yeah, it's book number two in the quartet. It's a further development of the relationship between Lord Peter Whimsey and Harriet Vane Mm -hmm. and uh, takes place at a seaside town in England on the coast of England. Um, You know what? I didn't do any sort of prep work for for talking about Dorothy talking about, but uh, you know what I have we, well we have two more opportunities to do <laughs> we it we do we do have two more <laughs> is there anything in here that might mm, 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 mm. yeah anything that might weigh you know what this has nothing to do with the book but I'm just going to throw this one out there alright uh, there is a minor planet named after her an oh. asteroid in fact 3627 Sayers oh wow so there asteroids you have it. are planets minor planets oh interesting that's what it said, minor planet, and then in brackets, an asteroid. Oh. So yeah, you learned something new. Two, two new things. Two Asteroids new things are I minor learned. planets, and one of them is named after Dorothy Sayers. Cool. All right, yeah. well, let's check out the back of the book. Mine is very short. How is okay. yours? Uh, mine's pretty short, but it's, a, it's decent. All right. So am I reading mine? Well, here, I'll read you mine because it's so short, okay. and we can read yours. <laughs> okay. A young woman takes a solitary nap on a deserted beach and wakes to discover a body, a young man whose throat has been slashed from ear to ear. The young woman is a celebrated detective novelist, Harriet Vane, once again drawn against her will into a murder investigation in which she herself could be a suspect. Of course, Lord Peter Whimsey is only too eager to help her, her clear her name. Mine says the exact same thing. Oh, <laughs> mine looks so short. It does. Mine looks longer. The font is spaced oh, differently. Font. It's all about it's, font. It's all about the font. Uh, yeah. Mine also has a quote from P.D. James. She brought to the detective novel originality, intelligence, energy, and wit. And I know we only do it at the end, so I'm not going to say anything except that I have a lot to say about my cover. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's bad. It's a bad one, but it's so good. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, yeah, let's uh, get right into it then. Okay. Let's do it. Go for it. Okay. Pull in a prompt. Oh, we're starting right off with building a mystery. Building a mystery. Well, this was a, this is a, this is a. It's a doozy. This, this is a doozy. It's this a doozy of a plot. For which you had to have notes in which we still had to be like, <laughs> okay, I've read this book three times. <laughs> and, and it's not that I don't get it by the end, but when you were reading it, I'm still mm-hmm. like, is this person, who's this person? Because there are mm-hmm. multiple, uh, Multiple identities. <laughs> we should hit spoiler alert. Oh, right. And we're going to spoil this. We're going to ruin this book for you. Not ruin it. 
just you should read it. Tell you yeah. everything. We're gonna tell you who done it. Yeah. So who done it? Well, it was done by Henry Weldon. Yeah. Who is the most likely suspect? Yeah. So um, the poor man who has been murdered is Paul Alexis. Paul Alexis, who is engaged to Mrs. Weldon, Mm -hmm. an elderly woman Mm -hmm. uh, who likes to reside at a seaside resort at which he is the professional dancer there mm-hmm. to dance with the older women one of the professional dancers one yeah. of them there's a whole troupe mm-hmm. and uh mrs walden's son uh who sees that paul alexis is going to get all of his mother's money mm-hmm. uh, and boy is he ever like her will oh yeah she's just like i just think it's fair that henry my only child should have to just shift for himself and i could give everything to my 20 year old fiance she's like he's gonna need it which is amazing because Henry has always been such a terrible son. Yeah. But I do love how she just was like, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. But also the, like the, the non-knowing way that she's doing it, mm-hmm. which she's not like, I'm cutting out my son on mm-hmm. purpose. She's just like, it's just that Paul Alexis needs this. I need to make sure that he's cared for after I'm gone. Yeah. And she's so like, she, Henry will understand. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just like, oh, woman. Yeah. <laughs> <You're> an idiot. <laughs> so she's written, um, she's written Henry Weldon out of his will. So he plans a very elaborate plot in which mm-hmm. to kill her fiance. So elaborate. Succeeds. Yeah. Um, but much of the story hinges upon the fact that um, Paul Alexis has an unknown blood condition mm-hmm. which his blood doesn't he's a bleeder he he's a bleeder that's not a, is that what i'm gonna say <laughs> so that's not that <laughs> that you were gonna say he has hemophilia and you're like he's a bleeder <laughs> that's not the technical term but sure yeah. guy's a bleeder <laughs> once cut they don't stop their blood doesn't clot their blood does not clot their blood does not clot and it's not something that he's ever told anybody but there are clues throughout that whimsy eventually puts together mm-hmm. um yeah i think that's for me part of like i find this so satisfying mm-hmm. the ending of this because there are so many clues throughout that you could put it together but like who would How think would of you? it like only whimsy but although Having said that, one of our friends, her partner read it and her partner has medical training and was like, uh, in the very beginning, was like, let's get the hemophiliac. And then was like, so bored by the rest of the book. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I guess if you are or know, mm-hmm. perhaps it sticks out to you a lot more because the descriptions yeah. of the blood are very bloody bloody and, and there's wet. all the other stuff about like he had joint pain he wore gloves he was very like afraid of getting any wounds he didn't yeah like he didn't um shave mm-hmm. not because he got zits no but because he couldn't nick himself yeah um also can we just take a moment here to talk about how beards oh yeah are equal being quote foreign yeah it's so interesting that like there was a time period was, of course now we're living in i don't know is this the golden age of beards again or is this, <laughs> i feel like this, it was a few years ago the, the beard assaults <laughs> but now with covid everyone shaved their beard off but pre-covid it was the beard assaults yeah and then it was yeah get rid of your beards yeah but um yeah like you 
everyone was clean shaven. Yeah. So this takes place in like the 20s. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was um, when the Antoine, the other professional dancer, tell, is telling Harriet that when Paul Alexis first got hired, the management was like, you're going to have to get rid of that beard. But then like, he was like, but then the ladies love the beard. People come from far distance, express to dance with the beard. <laughs> and then I'm thinking, but like the management's thinking, I should have long whiskers. And I was like, ooh. Because whiskers <laughs> are just like really big sideburns, aren't they? I don't know. Like, I don't know what whiskers. I feel like it's like mutton chops, but like they come a little, yeah, sort of like mutton chops. Wispy jo- mutton chops. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bad look. Anyway, so um, they, oh, in such an elaborate, I mean, so Paul X has had two things that he didn't tell anybody about. <laughs> so he was feeling like the other one that is that he secretly believed he was Russian royalty. Well, I think no, he did tell everybody that, but he didn't tell them that he'd been getting letters confirming right. this and like tr- offering to reinstate him into the Russian throne. Yes. And so he's been getting all these coded letters. And so eventually he has it. And that there's like a, another, there's a beautiful woman of like mm, Russian Feodora. world. Yeah. Fyodora. Fyodora. I just read it as Fedora. Cause I'm like, if you take out that O, mm. her name's Fedora. She's a hat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyways. And that like, he's got, yeah. Um, yeah, a beautiful Russian royal blood bride, like waiting yeah. for him. Waiting for him. Yeah. And all of his like loyal, people would like want him back to save them from the evil democracy i guess like i don't know what's, Not even sure. what's happening there yeah so uh so he gets lured he gets his throat cut and uh harriet discovers his body hours later but what seems to be seconds later because of his hemophilic words right has not clotted right so she think they think he has just like minutes before been murdered been murdered yep and she finds him on a rock um, called the flat iron. The flat iron in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, and this rock is covered by the tide when the tide is high. Yes. So his body eventually gets washed away before anyone can. They spend a long time looking for his body, which is hence the name of the book, because they can't actually do anything. Until they have his carcass. Until they have his carcass. And I was very confused because his carcass is spelled C-A-R-C-A-S-E. Which I've never seen before, but I think that's like the old Latin-y way of like oh. having it written into the law. Because I was like, car case? Well, I thought maybe she was trying to do like a clever pun thing where she was like, carcass and case. <laughs> 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 they don't have a case without his carcass, so car case. <laughs> oh, that kind of case. I was picturing like a little suitcase. No. Um, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, maybe. Well, who knows? Uh, who knows? If anyone knows, you can let us. You can you tell can, us. You can tell us. Yeah, and because he's weighted down by three hundred like gold <laughs> coins, right? Like, oh. you know, like a money belt. Yes. Yeah. And oh. ew, by the time they fish him out, like his face is gone. Yeah. And then someone gives a whole big speech on how they'll never eat like crab and lobster again. <laughs> 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 now that they know what crab and lobster eat. <laughs> <laughs> There's a million dead bodies out there. Nah. Well. You never know. You never know. This was just one that happened to be found. But if Harriet hadn't stumbled upon it, then... Well, probably people would have just thought he disappeared. Mm -hmm. Because it's unlikely that... Well, I can't remember, actually. Refresh my memory. Does Henry Walden know that he has 300 pounds of gold on him when he kills him? I don't think so. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. No. So he would have just sank. No, he would have floated. 
No, yeah, like if the, if he'd killed him normally. Normally, yeah. But if Harriet hadn't come across him, they would never. They would have never found have found the body. body. No, there would just be sure. three hundred gold coins, like weighing him down, weighing him down for forever. So he would have just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think the idea was that his body would eventually turn up. Yeah. Like float ashore or whatever. Um, but yeah, no, it's a very convoluted plot because there's so many characters involved. Mm-hmm. There's a red herring character. There's people who have several different identities. Mm-hmm. There's lots of timelines going on because of the fact they think he was killed at two o'clock when in fact he was killed at 10 o'clock. Yeah. So it's actually quite funny because like even like all the murderers trying to give themselves alibis don't know what time they should be giving their alibi for because they thought it was for 10 o'clock. But then the police are like telling everyone that he was killed at two o'clock, which they probably have no idea why. And like, yeah. <laughs> so everyone's kind of scrambling around, but they end up having to follow so many different threads. Mm-hmm. But that's why this book is like, that's why we had to have so many notes. Yeah, because <laughs> it's just quite the convoluted thing. You follow a razor around <laughs> that, <laughs> and there's a lot of talk about razors and stuff deal not being what it was (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then like there's that whole bit where they go to like the theatrical agent and like trying to trace the photograph of Feodora because this Mm -hmm. woman contacts them to say that's me that's like one of my you know like glamour shots basically yeah Yeah, but I've never met this guy and like yeah there's just so much going on yeah and the gold even how we got the gold and why and like why Mm -hmm. yeah and then there's also it's all this like okay he got to the beach at this time like everyone saw him go but like where if he was murdered who could have done it and like Mm -hmm. how because there's all these checkpoints along this road that they can like tell who's coming and out and like the villages and like there's an old man who sits in the village who sees everyone go by yeah and then also Harriet was there on the beach and saw that there were no footprints along the sand anywhere so like yeah yeah, it's a real conundrum. It's a real conundrum. Which gives Harriet and Peter a lot of opportunity to sleuth together, which is the real point of this book. It is, because really you start with Harriet sleuthing, mm-hmm. and then Peter kind of comes in and takes over sleuthing. And then they She's, co-sleuth. And then they co-sleuth. But he does a lot of sleuthing. Right, and she does a lot of emotional labor for yes. Mrs. Weldon, oh, yeah. um, which is like her contribution to the sleuthing. And then there's the ciphers. Oh, the ciphers. So... Yeah, I'm just going to... Ugh. I have to say that I've read this book at least three times now, and uh, I kind of, I think the second time I was like, no, let's read this. Let's just, but I still skipped over. Mm-hmm. Like, I couldn't, I, I paid more attention to the conversation between, between them. I know. The first time I read it, I really tried to follow along and to, like, work out the ciphers along with them, and eventually I just had to give up. I was like, this is, I'm just, yeah, I'm, this is not what I'm here for. I feel like perhaps I get that it was like all illustrated for us so that we potentially could follow around. Mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm. I was like, this is not explaining it to me. No. I have a wall between me and this cipher understanding. And I just didn't want to. It's honestly, yeah. it's like the song, songs in the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to read that. Tom Bombadil, <laughs> nobody cares. <laughs> but, and I would also just like to note that it's unfortunate. And of course, Dorothy Sayers would have no way of knowing this, but the other three books in this quartet mm. are narrated on audiobook by an actor named Ian Carmichael, and he is amazing. Mm. And I urge everyone, if you are into audiobooks, to find the audiobooks of these of these three books, Strong Poison, Gaudy Night, and Busman's Honeymoon, but you can't get one of Havis Carcass because it doesn't exist. I am convinced because of those damn ciphers. No one wanted to read it. Like, it would have been really hard to do an audio. Oh, for sure, for sure. 
but kind um of, kind of unessential it is they could have just skipped it but because i skip it and i still understand yeah well we have a whole thing maybe if we had really stuck with the ciphers the whole plot would just be cemented in our memories maybe but, but the ciphers it. are really just about the whole the fake russian legacy and yeah come expect the rider from the sea and yeah so poor paul alexis seems like a really gullible naive young man which is so interesting because he was i mean Mrs. Walden is also gullible and naive, and yeah. he's stringing her along. Yeah. He's like, I'm so clever. But then he's like, because I'm secretly Russian royalty, I'm going to marry a beautiful young woman, and yeah. like, Russia's going to bow before me. And it's yeah. all, yeah, it's real gullible. But it's a pretty diabolical, horrible way to murder someone because they basically they sent him all these letters in cipher to like, get him all geared up for this plot and mm-hmm. lure him out so mm-hmm. they could kill him, which was, let's be honest, months of work. Yeah, again, she, because his last one, um, which one, Strong Poison, mm-hmm. the arsenic, years. Years. Years of planning. <laughs> These I mean, people. It's interesting because at one point, Harriet, I think, makes a point about, like, oh, would the murderer do this? And they're like, well, an amateur murderer wouldn't do that. And she's like, well, aren't most murderers amateurs? Mm-hmm. Like, let's mm-hmm. just, like, like have <laughs> professional murderers out there. Yeah, we're not really yeah. dealing with hitmen here most yeah. of the time. Yeah. But, no, they have really thought this one through. Yeah. Which always kind of made me interested in this one because they're so set up for the alibis back and forth. Mm-hmm. But if Harriet had never discovered the body, mm-hmm. he would have gotten swept out. They mm-hmm. would have found the body days later, eaten by crabs, eaten by lobsters. Yeah. How on earth would they know what time that man was murdered? It's true. Yeah, they were really just like in case, in right? Case. In case anyone came along and found him. Yeah. yeah. So they were really detailed. And I mean, the back and forth and like the different characters mm-hmm. and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot going on. It's a lot to keep in your brain, but yeah. it does have an extremely satisfying reveal mm-hmm. at the end. I find that yeah. the hemophilia reveal is just, you're just like, oh, and it all like an, comes together then. Yeah, and it's like one of those interesting things where, again, the book ends with, we know the reveal, but we don't actually get to see the punishment or the trial. This isn't law and order. It's not law and order. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't get to, like, with them... Um, this one, we don't even know if mm-hmm. Weldon will go to justice. It's true. Yeah. Because Paul Alexis's uh, condition is impossible to prove at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And then Harriet and Peter at the end are just like, we're piecing out. Like, yeah. we've done our, what everything we can and we just want to get out of here. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. Let's move along. Ain't that a name? Names in the book that deserve a mention. All right. Well, I'm going to shout out to Inspector Umpelty. Umpelty! <laughs> yeah, I have a picture in my mind. I have oh, no yeah. idea if it corresponds with what he's described as, but I have a picture. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> How can you not with a name like Umpelty? Umpelty, yeah. And just, uh, you know, like again, like we talked about, she, um, she does that thing where you wouldn't ha- think to name people similar names because mm-hmm. that would be confusing in a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she does the Doris and the... Karis. Karis. Yeah. Uh, which are two of the female dancers. Mm-hmm. At the, which is totally something that would happen in life. Yeah. Yeah, you just hardly ever see that in books. Yeah. But yeah. And uh, Leela Garland mm-hmm. and her new man, Louis de Soto. Louis de Soto. 
and Paul Alexis is a pretty good name. Um, Monsieur Antoine. Monsieur Antoine. Yeah. Yeah. And also Martin, isn't his, is it Haviland Martin? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Haviland. Haviland. Yeah. Interesting name. Yeah. Um, and then. Bright. <laughs> Bright. He's a despicable little man, but and I, that's a fake name that they've picked. Yes, and I think uh, they, they picked like, it on purpose because it was a little sticky outy. Probably, yeah. yeah. Um, and he's got like so many aliases at the end when they arrest him. They're like aliases, alias. And one of them is like the, the theatrical agent one is like Maurice Vavasour. Vavasour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I think I will be known as Maurice Vavasour today. <laughs> yeah. That's an amazing, like, it's amazing character name in general, but even more amazing that it's like someone made that up as their alias. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we've got lots of exceptional names in this book, mm-hmm. as always. I'm trying to remember, what is Mrs. Weldon's first name? Do you remember? I don't remember. I don't know what. Okay. I want to say Faye Weldon, but I know that's an author and it's not her name. That's somebody else entirely. I don't um, know. Because I feel like she's always referred to by Harriet as Mrs. Weldon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just flipping through trying to find... They might not even have introduced her because it wasn't like back in the day you were like Mrs. Tom Weldon. Like yeah. people would introduce you as your husband's like full name. It's true. I just I just to the part where she introduced herself to Harriet and she just introduces herself as Mrs. Weldon. Mm-hmm. Huh. And therefore she is known. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think that's it for names. All right. Oh, it's books with bread. This your wine one <laughs> All right. Which character in this book should be played by Brad Pitt? Well. <laughs> it's still Bunter. It's still Bunter. Okay, but if you had to pick someone specific just to this book. Okay, just to this book. Oh, that's a hard one. What about Monsieur Antoine? Well, I love Antoine, but he's a young man. Mm, that's true. Yeah. Um, I mean, in the past we have done time travel, Brad. But then, I'm sorry, young Brad is... There's no way he's Mr. Antoine. <laughs> he's, he's young Brad Pitt. Right, right. Life has not done that to him. True, true enough. Okay. Um, who else could be... Who could, who would Brad be here? I'm trying to think if anyone else is like described as like, but you know, Brad does like, he can look foppish. Like, mm-hmm. ooh, is that a bad word? Foppish? I don't think so. Okay, good. I'm I so hope sensitive not. now. Like, <laughs> like, shoot, where's the origins of that word? Um, Cause like if you've seen Burn After Reading, mm-hmm. he is not attractive in that movie. He's no. silly. Yeah, he could do Antoine, but Antoine is not silly. No, he's not silly. He's not silly. Um, um he could do a character, but I'm just trying to think of like he could be Uncle T. Uncle T is not. Well, that would be amazing. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, you know what. There's really not a good Brad. And Bunter has an amazing part in this. He does. The chase scene is amazing. So Brad would be so good at that. Yeah. So Bunter goes on a days long trailing of Bright in London, which is absolutely incredible. It is really incredible. Yeah. Brad Pitt would play the heck out of that scene. He's just like changing his hat and turning his coat inside out. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you were going to write the screenplay for this book, I mean, certainly there would be a lot you'd have to cut out, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But that, that scene. That scene would have to That scene stand. would have to be in there, especially because, like, otherwise it would be boring. You need some action. <laughs> you need some action. Just people sitting in a hotel talking. <laughs> no, there's that part where Peter crawls around in, like, the garbage in the campground. <laughs> that would be pretty exciting. <laughs> a sticky newspaper <laughs> and the description for him finding like where everyone just like stuffs their trash is really gross it's too. so gross yeah, yeah. alright let's move on okay feminism 101 queens of crime alright well there's a there's a few things to talk about here yeah um yeah, this book is, we don't, unlike Strong Poison, we're not really seeing women have their day in this no. book. No, Mrs. Walden is quite the uh, foolish mm-hmm. older woman mm-hmm. who is not nicely described by author or Harriet. No, Harriet calls her a predatory hag Oof. when she first sees her. Yeah, and there's continual descriptions of how, like, you know, first of all, she's wearing like clothing that's way too young for her, and it mm-hmm. like just makes her look predatorial, taggish. <laughs> <laughs> but then when she's like in her funeral clothes, like kind of acting as Paul Alexis's widow, yeah, it's like it shows her full age, and I'm just like, why you gotta shame her like that? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, well, the poor woman can't win. Yeah. And then there's a description of the rest of the women who are mm-hmm. all kind of much like that. Yeah, there's a real. It's. Um, there's a real judgment on women in the, the the types of women who are in the hotel, whether they're working there, whether they're patronizing the hotel, whether they're yeah. young, whether they're older. There's like they're all very harshly judged in this book. Yeah, because the old women are there to like be flattered and have attention paid to them by the young men who are paid to mm-hmm. flatter them and pay attention to them. Mm-hmm. And then the young women are there to pay attention to the old men mm-hmm. and yeah, they're considered very much like commodities and mm-hmm. talk about wandering hands and how like they're yeah. all going to have to marry one of them. Yeah. Like just like yeah. what's the difference between being nice to 20 of them or being nice to one of them every yeah. day. Like, yeah. It's a sad situation. It's a real bleak description of their existence for sure. Yeah. And that um, even in the beginning, when Harriet finds the body and is tramping along, she's like she never like all the women are useless. Oh my God, so useless! She keeps going to the farms and they just stare at her blankly or like. I know. Yeah. It's like, what is this? Yeah, I know. That was like really kind of upsetting. That whole scene. <laughs> I was like, do they not speak English? Like, what's happening here? Yeah, like, yeah. They're in England. <laughs> and then when and they're like. Oh, the men aren't here. Oh, the men can't mm-hmm. this. Like, oh, the, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dream of bother. I mean, they don't obviously say this, but to paraphrase, they're like, I wouldn't dream of bothering the men when they're bringing in the hay for a murder. No, no. Yeah. Like, like a body. No, no. Yeah. 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 And then when they're just like casually like, oh, well, could it be anyone in the Fisher bin cottages? And like, well, the men were all out and only the women were there. So it couldn't have been anyone there. It's like, well, <laughs> women yeah. can also kill people. Yeah. But this book makes it very clear that the idea at the time is that like women can be the cause of a man mm-hmm. of a murder or the mm-hmm. like they can be the motive right. for suicide or murder but they cannot be the perpetrators except for Harriet except for Harriet who is a suspect yeah. um because it's already been established by her past that she is kind of living outside what is acceptable by society yeah 
in that she, you know, she's independent. She had a lover. She was already on trial for murder once. Yeah. Um, so she's considered almost like an exception to women. Yeah. In general. Yeah. And yeah. which a uh, fact that she readily recognizes. Mm-hmm. And so she immediately, um, instead of trying to pretend that she's not involved with the situation, takes mm-hmm. like a firm hand in the situation to yeah. be like, I've got nothing to hide. And in fact, mm-hmm. I'll use this as publicity. Right. Yeah, and yeah. it's all very purposefully done to her because she knew her name mm-hmm. was going to get out there. So she attempted to control it. Yeah. And I love when Whimsy first gets there and she's like, yeah, I called the papers. And he's like, does that, doesn't that sort of indicate a coarsening of the fibers? And she's like, obviously my fibers resemble coconut matting at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also like the coarsening of the fibers, man, she was on trial for a murder. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. you're accusing her of being like, oh, you're not soft. Yeah. You're, like, not de- you're not delicate enough. She's yeah. already been in the situation another time dude yeah she's just trying to look out for herself yeah and I do feel like there's a part in the hotel towards the beginning where she's sort of like overhearing different conversations and she overhears this like a group of married women and they're all like complaining about like their nannies and their husbands whatever Mm -hmm. and she's like and I guess these are like supposed to be the happy ones um and she's kind of having that moment of like well what do you do do you become one of them or do you become a Mrs. Weldon like Mm. an old alone lonely woman trying like looking for love and it very much foreshadows Scotty Knight which we'll get to next time this question of like do you stay single or do you get married and sort of weighing your options as a woman in this time period yeah because it's already been established that unfortunately like well no not unfortunately I won't say like Harriet had already chosen a different kind of life Mm -hmm. by um, shacking up with her former now dead lover Mm -hmm. and being like okay like we'll do this an unconventional way yeah and then admittedly realizing her mistake but she's older wiser um so she is in no way like a blushing you know 20 year old and she's also financially independent so Mm -hmm. like a lot of women married for money and security and she has she has no need to do that either no so she's in this real weird zone in society like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah occupied by a few i think yeah totally Mm -hmm. um yeah and so in other characters you do get some different you get the um pollock the fisherman he's very dismissive and rude about women he's rude about everything it's true he's rude about everything (laughs) um he doesn't take any notice of v-mails to whimsy um henry weldon who is our villain he is also he's like a full-on like he's just a disgusting human and he's like so misogynistic and um, tells Whimsy that he thinks that uh, his mother has a form of mania like women's rights or crystal gazing. What? <laughs> yeah, all, all just forms of mania. And oddly, like, when they're linking up everything, they're like, oh, well, they've, like, realized Mrs. Morecambe mm-hmm. is, like, providing him purposefully with an alibi. Mm-hmm. And they realize that at some point, him being down to visit his mother, he's met Mrs. Morecambe, and they're like, he has a way with the ladies. <laughs> and what kind of way what kind of way because this man is described super unattractive and also like in personality yeah um 
but he has that like um, really entitled like women love me like mm-hmm. attitude, which he like forces upon Harriet. Oh, there's like yeah, that really terrible, terrible scene where she dresses herself up in yep. a terrible outfit that yep. she knows will tell him that she's like trying to get him, mm-hmm. and he's all like, uh huh, yeah, yeah, I expected this, yeah, and uh, yeah, she's just like flirting. with him this whole time and then he's right back there but then he like tries to put the moves on her yeah um and that's when she sees his tattoo and realizes that he has been parading around under a different identity because she's seen this tattoo on another man um there is lots of thunder happening in the background if anyone can hear that just yeah know. um but yeah he's just she's very much like Using her sexual capital to yeah. gain information, which is her right? Which is her right? But it's very gross how he's just like not questioning it at all. Even no. when she actually like screams and is like, "I saw a snake," which she's like referring to his snake tattoo, which means yeah. that she's actually identified him as his double identity. Yeah, and he's just like, "Oh, she's overwhelmed in the moment." Well, he's mad. Yeah, he gets really angry at her. Right, for, but then yeah. I think she says that she's like just been like overwhelmed by her feelings. Or something. I think so. Yeah, and he's like, "Of course." Yeah. Yeah, and his whole conversations that he has with Whimsy. <laughs> Where Whimsy's, like, so disgusted by him, but also trying to, like, get information. So and trying buddy, not buddy to, him. And buddy, buddy him. And he says at one point to Whimsy, he's like, you won't take offense, will you? And Whimsy's like, I'm quite ready to take whatever I am offered. <laughs> Such a good line. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then Monsieur Antoine. He's like, oh, where Leela Garland is saying that women, police always think women are at the bottom of everything. Like yeah. you were saying before, like women can be the motive, but, mm-hmm. um, and Mr. Antoine's like, but that is a compliment. Yeah. 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 And even how the book, like how the author describes, um, Doris and. Just do it. Just say it. Cheris. Yes. Cheris. <laughs> Cheris. I just want it to rhyme. Doris and Cherish. Or that doesn't Charish. rhyme. Charish. <laughs> Doris and Charish. I look at that name and I'm just like, it makes sense. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. We are getting quite the storm here. Okay. If um, we get blown away by a tornado, then you'll, hear it. <laughs> you'll never get to hear our Gaudy Night episode, and I apologize. Oh, we've really been building to it. <laughs> I'm quite a fan of Busman's Honeymoon, too, but it's no Gaudy Night. Oh, oh well. Um, but also even, like, the way that, like, one of them is described as, like, um, having, like, an accent that she's, like, a posh accent that she's, like, yep. affected over her obvious Cockney accent. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. just, like, really just paints them all. In, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not very nice. No. And like we were saying to each other earlier, it's there's a lot of, like, class and sex-based mm-hmm. discrimination, like, stereotypes and mm-hmm. judgment sort of overlapping and intersecting here. Yes. Lots of class because of the um, tramp um, tramp barbers. Ooh. Yeah. They're not talked about very nice. No. Well, we, we can touch more on that in the... In the woe now. Yeah. All right. Well, let's... Let's move on. Maybe it will be whoa now. Oh yay! Whoa there! Problematic things in the book. Well, the tramp barbers. <laughs> the tramp barbers. <laughs> Good segue. Because it's such a um, the way that they're described is is they're just painted with a wide brush mm-hmm. um, that they're all the same that they're yep. all um, 
uncouth gentlemen who all come with the same lie, but having their own shop up on Fleet Street or something like that. Some street, some barber street. street. I think Fleet Street is in New York, so no. <laughs> um, but maybe there's more than one. And how they've all had their own shop and like lost it through no means of their own. Mm-hmm. Like they all came in with the something, you know, the same story, yeah. but they're all like, none of them can do and blah, yeah, blah, Yeah, and they're blah. all alcoholics and they're all, yeah. yeah. It's interesting that like I didn't even really know that was a thing, that people would be like traveling barbers. Yeah, and that there would be so many of them. Yeah. And I also didn't know that razors were, like, a complicated thing because they're like, mm. we give them the razor to test them out. And, like, nine times out of ten, they can't even set the razor. I'm yeah. like, what are they trying to do with the razor? I know. Like, what does that even mean? I have no uh, idea. But the razors really play into this book a lot. <laughs> they do. Yeah. Um, Whimsy goes tracking down his razor and ends up having his scalp examined for gray hairs <laughs> at one point by this and retired thinning. barber. Yeah, and thinning. Um, so yeah, so that's problematic that there are, there's this whole very looked down upon class of people. Yeah. Um, And so another very looked down class, which like, mm -hmm. I mean, people are using, characters are using the words, but Dorothy Sayers has obviously written them the the Dago word, which when we first read it, I didn't know what that meant yeah that's a it's a racial slur yeah it's typically used for some like someone from the mediterranean region i believe Uh um but yeah really problematic and used a lot in this book a lot a lot so whoa there whoa there Two woes. Two woes. Two woes. And um, yeah, uh, there's a lot of racially um, problematic and upsetting things in here. There's actually, when they have the inquest of the body, there is an entire speech by the um, jury foreman mm. about how like borders should be tightened to mm. not allow immigrants in, which is like, whoo. That's a pretty intense thing to just throw into the middle of a murder mystery there. Yeah. Um, Yeah, there's slurs in this book against Russian people, against French people, against Italian people, against Jewish people, against Eastern European people. There's this, like... And, yeah, as you say, like, they're all in the voice of characters. Mm -hmm. Um, But you do have to wonder, like, okay, like, we get that you're striving for, like, you know, realism of the time. But at the same time, this is, like a fun mystery novel and is that really like is it really necessary really necessary and also I think that there's no critical like there's never a pushback well there is I did note at one point whimsy after he listens Mm. to the jury say that he says something like um when empire comes through the door, um, logic goes out the window or something um, like that. So whimsy does whimsy is yeah. a little critical of it, which is good. And also there was that bit of, um, so I did a bit of research into this mm-hmm. and just to give it a little bit of context, I think, um, this whole idea and the attitudes of the people here in this small seaside resort town on the coast of England were probably influenced a lot by something that was really prevalent in the news at the time, which um, was that what some people called the first global murder investigation. So because of the availability of um, things like, you know, information could travel further. Right. And it was just, that was just starting, right? So in Paris, at the end of the century, there was a courtesan um, named Marie Renault, who was murdered along with her housekeeper and her housekeeper's 11-year-old daughter um, in Paris. And a man named Enrico Pranzini 
was tried and executed for the murders, he was an Egyptian born Italian gigolo. And, um, so he was, you know, you could see how this became a very sensational. It was very, yeah, it was very sensational and it really contributed to the rise of the xenophobic right wing movement and this push to like tighten borders and like not let, you know, people from other specifically, of course, very problematic, specifically like people who looked different or mm-hmm. maybe had like a different language of, you mm-hmm. know, first language and were more easily identifiable as non-British people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, this was like a really big, um, issue at the time. So I right. think that's part of the context for like what we're seeing reflected mm-hmm. in this book. Um, and also perhaps like the like the way that the dancers are mm-hmm. treated because the male dancers are viewed as mm-hmm. as gigolos as gigolos yeah so um, but yeah there is like a lot of casual racism in this book yeah which is very very unfortunate um, yeah and then again like what we were talking about with the feminism like there's a lot of characters who I guess. Um, make their money like rely on their youth and their looks and like trade on their sexuality in order to earn their living which is Mm -hmm. looked down upon also by other characters and I would say also by the authorial voice yeah 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 and I mean that still continue on for a while because dirty dancing (laughs) (laughs) by Dorothy L. Sayers (laughs) (laughs) it's the sequel Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, there's, as we said, we try to like highlight a lot of the problematic things to say like this is an older book, but let's not excuse everything because of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And of course, like representation is really null here. So absolutely. All right. Okay. Fave character and honorable mention. Well, my favorite character. Oh, (laughs) <laughs> okay, so my favorite character I think would have to say was Harriet. Okay. And then my honorable mention would be Antoine. Okay. Yeah. Harriet, just because this is the book, because you don't really, there's not a lot of Harriet in Strong Poison. And mm. this book starts off with Harriet. Like, um, and it's her on her vacation, and she's doing the wonderful walking, and then she finds a body. And like that introduction into Harriet's point of view and Harriet's mind is just really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And to watch mm-hmm. her go through it and work her way through it. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so I really... And then to, to continue to like kind of hold her own in the investigation and yep. watch her interactions with Peter. Uh, and... Um, yeah, and then Mr. Antoine. That um, so when Harriet has the dance dances with him and like mm-hmm. is like oh, I'd like to talk to you guys further, and he's just like I will arrange it. Yeah, you know, yeah. he's just so suave, and he's he has so this painted on smile. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they have the that whole dinner with them, he just comes across as like someone who is like incredibly observant Mm -hmm. of other people Mm -hmm. and incredibly like aware of how society works. Yeah. Like very smart and just so smooth, like in how he Mm -hmm. talks. Um, and it's the one point where he's like, Oh, one day I'll kill myself. Yes. Mm -hmm. Anyway, (laughs) moving on. (laughs) He's just like, this is my role. This is like what my life will be when I'm too old to do this. Yeah. 
there's several several times I think where it's like Harriet like you know delicately asks the question or pause and he's like oh yes you know like mm-hmm. let's fully address this but he does mm-hmm. it so smoothly he's like yeah. yes like we are young now but we will not be mm-hmm. we will you know less hotel like yeah. like lesser and lesser hotels will take us yeah. and then you know we either have to marry or yeah like kill ourselves and yeah like, yeah and I think actually he's the one who says like what's the difference between one person mm-hmm. and Mm-hmm. 20 people that I have to be nice to and just yeah. like this is how the world works yeah he's like a really fascinating one because he's very like he he sees everything like mm-hmm. for what it is like he's mm-hmm. a realist but he also like doesn't seem to like it doesn't get him down he's just like I'm still gonna be charming and make jokes well, and, and the like, girls say yeah. that he has a real soft heart mm-hmm. like that he has a lot yeah. of empathy for other people and which doesn't is he pro- look after like he has like a mother and a sibling that he's supporting I think so yeah, yeah. and at the end like the thing that concerns Whimsy and Harriet when the place are like well we really don't know what we can do about Walden they're like well you might want to do something because the way Mrs. Walden was looking at Antoine like mm-hmm. you know and they're kind of like no judgment to Antoine like we know he's got people to look after and Mrs. Walden is a fool and a like, rich one and yeah. a rich one like I would like to think that Ah, uh, they put Henry Weldon in jail and that Mrs. Weldon and Antoine get married and live happily ever after. I, I think he could very easily make Mrs. Weldon happy because she's mm-hmm. in, she's not a very... She's not a deep thinker. No, and he's very clearly a very deep thinker, but mm-hmm. who can, like, float along that surface, but, like, this is what you need and I can provide that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, mm-hmm. so, yeah, I just love, you know... Even when Harriet, I think, is kind of copying to, like, oh, well, you know, like, I'm kind of just, like, asking questions. He's like, we know who came to the hotel. Like, we know who is with you. Like, we yeah. know what you are doing. Like, yeah. we see and we say nothing. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, he's like, so good. Yeah. Anyways, those are my favorites. All right. Um, I think I'm going to go with Peter in this one. Oh, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I feel like Peter's had a real emotional growth spurt between Strong Poison and Half His Carcass. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Where in Strong Poison, as you recall, one of our woe there's was the way he was behaving with Harriet. Yeah, his um, courtship tactics were uh, questionable. Very selfish, very entitled. And in this one, you really see, you can tell that their relationship has progressed between books. Yeah. They're much more comfortable with each other. They've clearly mm-hmm. seen, because at the end of Strong Poison, she's like, they're like, are you going to call him? And like, it kind of leaves that up in the air. But you can see they've clearly been in touch and they've been spending time together. Mm-hmm. So they have more of an ease with one another. Mm-hmm. And you definitely see Peter um, being like intelligent, being witty, being also like really generous mm-hmm. and really aware of Harriet's needs. Yeah. Um, so I really appreciate that in in this book, this, this version of Peter. You can, yeah, he's coming along. He's, he is coming along. Um, yeah. And we talked about it a bit, a little bit, but the um, at one point Harriet, Harriet and uh, Peter get into it because mm-hmm. they've written up a list of suspects, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Well, that's everybody," and she's like, "Well, no," and like writes herself up, mm-hmm. and so they kind of have to like clear the air over yeah. why Peter is there. Yeah. And Peter kind of has, like, this little inner dialogue about what, like, how hard he has worked to carefully, like, Mm -hmm. craft a relationship Mm -hmm. with Harriet, who has been, like, 
badly scarred from like mm-hmm. the thing that she went through and also like his role in it he's been yeah. trying to like really carefully navigate yeah. and build a trust yeah. and like when this all happened he was like I'm going to have to make a fool out of my love and be like, show up and white horse this situation because mm-hmm. I'm already getting like a whole bunch of different inquiries from the police about this. Yeah. He strong arms the newspaper into like writing it so that she is not a suspect. Yeah. Like he. Yeah. And doesn't tell her. And doesn't that tell he's been her. Doing all of this. But she is a smart woman mm-hmm. and she can tell that he's kind of white horsed to her rescue yeah. yet again. Yeah. And when she's like, why did you come here? Like, why are you here? And he's like, so that I could save you from having to send for me. Yes. Yeah. It's such a good, I love that scene. That's definitely going in one of my fave parts because yeah. it's like, it's just so revealing for both of them and they just lay on the line for like, she's like, you know, I'm sick of being grateful to you. And he's like, don't you think I know that? Like, do you think that I want to be in this position where I have to like make a fool out of my love? And like, Mm -hmm. this has robbed me of my ability to be honest about my feelings. And like, it's just, it's so heartbreaking. It is so heartbreaking. And it it just speaks to that progression Mm -hmm. of Peter that we see that he has been so carefully Mm -hmm. trying to correct his initial wooing of her. Yeah. And it's so tenderly holding onto that love. Yeah. And she's still so bitter and like, afraid um and yeah it's so it's so good Mm um okay and my honorable mention i'm gonna say is pc ormond oh he's like one of the like beat cops like uniformed officers who just like gets it in his head that he's gonna solve this and he's like going around doing like all this extra work and he's just like you don't think it really comes to much but i just love that that little interlude where he's just like gets this like a hero worship of peter and he's just like i'm gonna impress him i'm gonna do it yeah amazing yeah all right so do you want to pick a random character question go for it All right. Which character would you want with you if you were marooned on a desert island? Hmm. Bunter. (laughs) (laughs) He would just do for you. He's like a man of all the trades and skills. Like he's just good looking to boot. Oh, and good looking to boot. Bunter (laughs) played by Brad Pitt on a maroon island. Hello. (laughs) All right. Well, that was easy. Yep. All right. Next prompt. Are there any cats in this book? Nope. Next prompt. The Detective and the Watson. Oh, okay. I'm not sure we have much left to say about The Detective and the Watson. No, I mean, it's certainly... Well, this one is an interesting one because... (sighs) It's almost like The Detective and the Detective. Yeah, because Harriet... It's Sherlock at first. Mm-hmm. And then Peter comes... And the book does flip far more to Peter's mm-hmm. continual investigation. And at some point, like, uh, Bunter is definitely the Watson. And Umpelty is definitely the Watson mm-hmm. at many times. Mm-hmm. But I don't really... Like, I definitely feel like Harriet is still a Sherlock. Yeah, they, they're both taking very different... They're having parallel investigations yeah. that they continually consult upon each other Right, with. yeah. So it's yeah. like they're both being really active in the investigation but doing different things. Mm-hmm. And Harriet's doing far more of the um, 
interaction with people. Like she yeah. gives support, emotional support to Mrs. Weldon. She gets to know the dancers. She vamps Henry Weldon. And then you see Peter doing things like crawling around in garbage. You're never going to forget that. <laughs> I'm never going to forget that. And testing like horses yeah. trotting on the beach. I also want to say, even though this doesn't really have anything to do with this, but at the very beginning, because Harriet, um, as we know, is a writer of detective fiction. Mm. And she has her detective name is Robert Templeton. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when she's at the very, very beginning, she finds the body and she realizes the tide is going to wash it away. So she knows she has to like get as much. She's taking pictures. She's like investigating it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it says, uh, I wrote it down. Harriet felt that she had never fully appreciated the superb nonchalance of her literary offspring. Because yeah. <laughs> he's always just like, do, do, do. You gotta like yeah. examine this body. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> yeah, and that's when she also, I think, realizes or shortly after that like, she's always just like, oh, the temperature of the body is this. And that means like he died at this time. And yeah. she's like, I actually don't know what those corresponding <laughs> things are. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And then she's like, God damn it. Like the tide, the tides and the timetables. That's why I never write books that at sea. Like she's like, I didn't want to do the work. Um, so I think this is, this book also has like a really funny kind of parallel when mm-hmm. it talks a little bit more about her trying to work on her novel and like invokes more of her detective. Yeah. Um, I actually think that this book, the whole thing has a really like tongue in cheek tone mm. to it. There's like a lot of the way she describes things um, is often very funny. Um, just like the way Dorothy Sayers describes things, yeah. which I think is different from Strong Poison. This one feels a lot more like she's just like nudging you with her elbow the whole time. Um, I'm not sure if that has to do with the detective and the Watson, but yeah. Um, yeah. And then Buncher has his moment of glory where he's tailing yeah. right through London. But yeah. But I mean, it kind of makes sense in that Harriet is being set up and has been introduced to be an equal to challenge Peter. Yeah. So she would Mm -hmm. not be his Watson. Like she is her own person. Yeah. And then, yeah, moving forward, it's almost like for Gaudy Night, they're going to be flipped. Where it's like Peter's kind of the Watson to her detective. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Is there anyone giving someone a green gown in this book? (laughs) Ew, that's a sex euphemism. Thanks very much for that one. Why? I Green think it's gown. like lying in the grass. Grass stains. Oh, grass stains. I don't know that that's for sure what it is, but that's what I'm going to go with. I think that's the best guess because <laughs> I had nothing. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, no, I mean... They do both get naked. They both get naked. In the vicinity of each other. Like, which I was curious mm-hmm. at. Like, is that just, like, acceptable in the 20s that she can duck and, like, no. he's just like, avert your eyes. I'm going to get undressed and get into my swimming trunks. I really don't think so. And she's like, I'm just going to pop it in this cave and put on my own swimsuit. And then they, like, race down the beach together and, like, swim together. And I'm like, okay, yes, women's 20s bathing suits were, like fairly covered yeah but she's admiring his body she's very much admiring and she's like he's more built than i thought he would be and like checking him out yeah um and like even after like they come back up and like after they they swim a boat together and they Mm -hmm. come back up and then they have to get re-undressed while they're wet (laughs) <laughs> and then they like sit and have lunch together and uh-huh. like I'm assuming like her hair is wet uh-huh. his hair is wet oh yeah you know it Ooh. 
I know. It's a very, like, titillating scene. It is. It's the closest we get. Well, except for, like... No, it's the closest we get. But yeah. we definitely get the... I mean, Weldon does kiss Harriet. Ooh. Gross. And also, you know, we don't know how far Paul Alexis's Mrs. Weldon went. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we don't want to. We don't, we don't want to. <laughs> so back to Harriet and Whimsy. Yeah. But I just do feel like that... I love... Well, I guess we still have favorite scenes. We keep on covering them in other things, but... but. Yeah, no, but that's... Um, oh, I love that scene. So good. So good. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think that is the closest we get. And then there's also like just the implications, as we said mm-hmm. before, but like all the professional dancers and all of their patrons and like where that line is. And like you feel like it definitely gets blurred and you see cases like Paul Alexis and Mrs. Weldon where it's like, yeah, there's that whole um, nebulous area of that type of profession. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Oh, look, it's a magic moment. Oh, our favorite it's the parts. last one. It's the last one. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, just to talk a little bit more about that beach scene, mm-hmm. the thing that I really love about that scene is that it just, well, uh, there's such a comfortability between mm-hmm. the two of them mm-hmm. because it takes a lot to, like, go to the beach, like, like, cause it's kind of like a date. Like they're having a swim competition. Yep. They're undressing. Like they're showing each other their bodies, mm-hmm. which is a courtship kind of thing. We've mm-hmm. seen it in more than one movie. Like mm-hmm. they go to the beach and they kind of be like, "Oh yeah, okay, mm-hmm. I see what you got there, and I'm liking it." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, though I will say mm-hmm. that I'm like so weirded out by the fact that he's like, "The water is freezing. You should come in for your health." And she's like, she comes in. And she's like. It freezing let's swim for a bit and I'm like what <laughs> I know. he's like it's beastly you should come in and she's like you got it I'm just like and like there's yeah. no description of like what would be my thing where I'd be like ah, ah, ah. inching like, your way in my way screaming in. And then, like your armpits and- <laughs> there's, there's none of that none of that no yeah it lacks of authenticity in that way to me or is that like just British people who are like oh water should be frigid like, maybe they're just used to it she did say her fibers resemble coconut matting <laughs> so maybe she's just toughened up to it maybe she's toughened up to it yeah. so that definitely is one of my favorite scenes mm-hmm. and then just piggybacking on that for a minute mm-hmm. um, it also I think the whole checking out each other's bodies and that development of that relationship ties into the bit where he tells her to buy she says she has to buy an evening dress and yeah. he tells her to buy a wine colored one yeah and then she like runs after him and she's like what kind of wine and she's like eventually she names a couple different wines and he's like claret and then she does mm-hmm. go and get one and then she's mad because he doesn't comment on it and they're dancing and he's just like talking about the case and she's like this is the first time we dance together like why are you talking about the case and she gets all like her feelings hurt but then he notices and then he's trying to like backpedal and like compliment her and like that also is a really great yeah great scene it weirdly reminds me of a scene from the adventures of superman lois and clark <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> in which lois and clark decide to go on like their first date together uh-huh. and she tell or he tells her like he's always thought she would look really good in like a cranberry red okay and like she's told she tells him that she'd always like like him to see him in like a charcoal suit mm-hmm. and so you have like this whole like clothing montage in which she's like bought like a million cranberry outfits but then doesn't <laughs> like any of them and he shows up in a charcoal suit of and she's like ah. 
<laughs> Anyways, there you go, people. <laughs> well, I think that um, fashion is almost like a theme in this book. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because like her clothes, they're often like indicate, like, yeah, like her clothes are often described mm-hmm. to us. Um, and a lot of the women's clothes and like Mrs. Morecambe, they're like, they talk about her like kind of like over the top outfits. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Even I, like at the beginning when <laughs> she's like talking about how she doesn't know that much about men's clothing and that's why she's made Robert Templeton one of those untidy dressers and Peter's like, Robert Templeton's clothes have always pained me. <laughs> 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 yeah, and Paul Alexis's clothes as well. Oh, yes. Um, yes. Yeah, and then, yeah, like the, she refers to the women, like the older women, and like they're dressing younger as costumes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's yeah. a lot about, there's a lot about fashion. There's a lot about the clothes, the yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even like the description of her walking along, like mm-hmm. her sensible outfit. Yeah. 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 Uh, compared to when she goes to vamp Henry Weldon and it describes all of the clothes she wears as like unsuitable for picnicking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think there's like a hat that she's like, it's yes. really big. Yeah, and, and Henry Weldon's like, I really like your hat, but it's a bit inconvenient. Yeah. And then <laughs> later Peter's like, what is that cut off hat? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, he's All right, that. yep. Um, do you have any other fave parts? Uh, well, we've already talked about it a lot. The mm-hmm. Bunter chase scene yeah. is so, so good. Yeah. And I also, it's a very, it's a brief moment. Mm-hmm. and But I just love it because I think we've talked before that like Peter Whimsy is like the person I would take to a dinner party. Right. Like, and so he goes to interview this old colonel who like, he's like, do, 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 do. I'm going to, we're going to, I'm going to go for 11. We've already had breakfast a while ago. Like, mm-hmm. so we can just have a spot. Like, this is going to be fine. And like the colonel's immediately, is it a colonel? I hope so. He's immediately like offended being like, oh, like how dare you come and interview me about my races and how dare my barber have told you. Yeah. Like, it's a man's private matter. Yeah. And then Peter just like, he's like why are you doing this and like it's not respectable and Peter's like oh my god I did an investigation like you know a spot of it during the war and he's like the war and I'm like talking about this and like five minutes later he's Peter's like best friend and Peter can't get away and I'm like that's what Peter does that is what Peter does and he doesn't ever well it's the same thing when he goes to see the barber and like Mm -hmm. they have like this whole thing and the barber's like oh my wife would have been so upset to miss you and like let me just paw through your hair yeah. like, <laughs> I like how he takes the barber a ham too like yeah. so random <laughs> oh I just wanted to ask you some questions about your razors here's a ham yeah it's just yeah like whimsy has such a way like he really does yeah um yeah so <clears throat> okay I have so, <laughs> so many favorite parts but I'm gonna narrow it down I love the part where he and Harriet are at the beach mm-hmm. they're investigating and Harriet With remembers the oh, no. not the horse not the horse <laughs> they do the beach a couple times so this is the first time okay. where he's like asking her to remember again about the body and the blood right. and that's when she's like no it was totally liquid and he's like what like totally liquid mm. and he's like do you know what that means it means like he was just killed and they're right. like well, the murderer would have had to be right here. And they find this little alcove at the back of the rock where he could have been hiding. And Peter's like, it must have given him a devil of a shock to hear you hopping around <laughs> taking photographs. 
<laughs> well, he's like hiding. I love how the Pollocks continually yeah. describe like her popping up as like this woman scampering down over the rocks yeah. and like running around and like <laughs> they're just, like, they're like, oh yeah, we saw her. Yeah, like, no one can miss that woman. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, I guess she was trying out footprints. So she's hopping yeah. weirdly all over the beach. Yeah. <laughs> and so like it turns out that's not what happened, and there was no murderer hiding in the alcove. But I love that for like a moment they thought that yeah. there was this murderer just like hiding there watching her do all this stuff. Like oh, what luck laugh. that she's like camera. Yeah. <laughs> How horrified you would be if you had just murdered someone yeah. and then like watched someone else coming and taking all these pictures. This does it. remind me of one of my other, I don't know if it's my favorite moment, but it is the moment that every time I read this book, mm. I like, what? It's the moment where Harriet observes Peter like horse riding and she's like, oh, I remember. He could be like a god. He could control a horse. And I'm like, what? <laughs> That's a weird parallel there, Harriet. It's a real weird, it's, it's a weird takeaway she has with that. Perhaps an indication to us of her real deep, true feelings for Peter that are starting to mm. crop up because I yeah. definitely have seen lots of people riding horses and I've never been struck by how one of them is a god. They're so god. God, like they can control a horse. Yep. Um, Especially because it would have been really common back then. Well, yeah, you <laughs> think. Um, yeah, also, there's like a part where Whimsy gives like a weird speech about the second law of thermodynamics to a bunch of people. <laughs> I have like no idea what he's talking about, <laughs> which is also like pretty hilarious. Um, and then when he goes to the theatrical agent and they mistake him for an actor coming to audition and he's just like totally playing into it. And that part is really funny too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I'm looking through my notes, I remembered in terms of good names that there is a street called Popcorn Street. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which doesn't come up until the end, but I'm glad to throw that in there. All right. Okay. Any other magic moments? Yes, just one. All right. It's when the inspector tells him that uh, Paul Alexis, one of the last things he did was to turn all his money into gold coins. And he's like, what do you think he did with his 300 pounds? And he's like, I have no idea. And it says, he went, said the inspector, lusciously, and turned it into gold. (laughs) (laughs) They're all so shocked, but like, lusciously, he's turned it into gold. (laughs) (laughs) I love Inspector Umpelty being luscious. (laughs) Oh, Inspector Umpelty. Yeah. Um, All right. right. I think that's it. All right. So let's judge this book by its cover. Let's do it. You have some things to say. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So my edition, Mm -hmm. let's just see here, uh, which I bought at the uh, Books & Co. Mm. in Picton, Ontario. Mm -hmm. Shout out to one of our little favorite bookshops. Mine is, oh, what year is this? Oh, I can't tell. Looks 1988? No. It looks a little 80s-ish. It's very 80s-ish. I'm going to go with 1998. Mm-hmm. Um, in Hodder and Stoughton. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's who published mine, too, but mine's from 2016. Yeah. Well, they probably come really a long looked way. at this because <laughs> mine has a picture of a seaside uh, cliff with, like, a windy situation and I think probably the Wilvercombe Hotel. Mm-hmm. And it's got a hiker on it. 
<laughs> and I say hiker because I don't want to say that this is Harriet, but I think, unfortunately, it is. She's got short, bushy hair. She's wearing a very small knapsack. She's got like a necktie on and a... A necktie? And a, well, no, I guess like a, a scarf. Okay. Like, But it's tied. And it's like a little button-up shirt on. And she's wearing a short skirt. And she's got... A cane, <laughs> a oh. hiking stick. Okay. But it's a cane because yeah. it curves. Uh-huh. Yeah. And she looks like she's like, <laughs> like 50. She does. <laughs> that hair. The hair is very unflattering. The face is not drawn very flattering. But also it looks like she needs the stick. It does. <laughs> Does. And it's also like it's a, it's a fairly cartoonish drawing. It's a fairly cartoonish drawing. It's in black and white where the rest of the drawing is in color. Mm-hmm. Not that the drawing of the colored part is actually much better. But it just like, yeah. And it also doesn't look like it's a woman hiking in the 20s. Her skirt mm-hmm. seems way too short. Yeah. It's like above the knee. It's um, it's not a very good representation I no. don't think. Although it does have the beach and the cliff. So I mean, this is that. her about to find the body, for sure. Yeah. But it's, it's just... It's not how we want to imagine Harriet. No. 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 Well, I think they've done an improvement for yes. 2016. My addition is, I like the colors. It's like a lime green, gray, and white. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a bit of a abstract geometric and... I'm not sure what's going on here some other shapes um but it has a razor prominently featured which actually the first time i saw it i was like what is that hippie style incense holder doing on the cover <laughs> does that look exactly it like does look like incense burning with the little sparks coming up yeah it does yeah. um but overall, and then it has like a little monocle at the top to represent oh, whimsy, which nice. I like. I'd, I'd say it's an improvement. It's definitely an improvement. Mine um, is also like a, a light turquoise mm-hmm, color. Mm-hmm. With shiny, With shiny metallic letters. letters. Metallic letters. Yeah. And the quote on the front, oh my God. This person, I admire her novels. She has a great fertility of invention, ingenuity, and a wonderful eye for detail. A fertility of invention. Fertility of invention. <laughs> that was from Ruth Randall. I don't know who that is. Oh, she's a very famous mystery writer. Mine has an introduction by Lee Child. So if you want an endorsement by the man who created Jack Reacher, it's all in this edition. That's weird. It's super weird. It's so weird. Yeah. Mm. I think maybe they were trying to be like, hey, people. Modern. Hey, modern people. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. And on that note, Mm -hmm. thanks to everyone for listening. Yes, indeed. The next book will be Gaudy Night. At long last. At long last. Um, If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, you can reach out to us via uh, Twitter or Instagram or our email which is storygirlspodcast at gmail.com and uh, thanks to Rob our tech support Mm -hmm. and you can like I'm forgetting (laughs) I'm like Uh Uh Mm -hmm. and who Mm -hmm. and who (laughs) and Lindsay for the scones (laughs) I think I I, I, I 
can't think of anybody else. Okay, good. I do have a nagging thought oh. that we were missing something, but I don't think we are. I think we're good. I think it's just the deep guilt that we both have because we don't check the Twitter or the Instagram. or. Th- but the email, for some reason, automatically comes up on my computer instead of my personal email, so I have to check it all the time. <laughs> I haven't figured out how to get it to stop. <laughs> but rest assured, once she gets it to stop, we will not be checking our email either. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, Instagram is totally the way... Yeah, because it will still notify us. It will. It will notify us. So we know you haven't. <laughs> and so anyway, we're gearing up for our big showstopper. Yeah, yeah. Our big gaudy night. Very excited gaudy night. Yeah. It probably will be a longer episode. There's mm-hmm. lots to talk about there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Make I'm, sure you go read it. Oh my gosh, you have to read it because... oh. Yeah. The names and the <laughs> in that book. If only for the names. <laughs> no, no, it is because there's there's all those posi- like the oh, positions, I know. and everyone has different like they're called by their name or their position or their professor this or their bursar the warden the dean yeah the, and then they're also called by like their own last name at other times and it's a lot, and there are so many of them but it is considered <laughs> the first feminist detective fiction novel is it yes not? it is so. That's why we've been gearing up for this sucker. And it's just so good. It is just so good. So good. Yeah. All right. Okay. Having done that good plug, we are going to sign off for this episode. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.